if Bret Hart or Jim Cornette were to complain about the Young Bucks, I'd kind of be on their side, I think. That's fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sort of agree with some of their criticisms of them. Like, right. I don't know, flipping pile drivers off of the set and things like that. It's just, it's, they're a bit much. They just need to dial it down. That's my big takeaway is the number one thing I think I'm actually sick of in pro wrestling anymore is the Canadian Destroyer. And it was yeah. that thing where when P.D. Williams started doing that in TNA, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And it was just something, you know, you see a sunset flip all the time, but to turn it into a pile driver, I was like, whoa, what is this? And it was like move of the year, and that all made sense to me. But then it just got to be so overdone. I'm okay with seeing, like, Dustin Rhodes doing it. But it just it, it happens, and, you know, Adam Cole adds his own twist with the Panama Sunrise, where he at least goes off the second rope, jumps down, then does it. But to me, I think above all else, what really makes me dislike it the most is seeing what happened to Dante Martin at uh, at that Ring of Honor event where where Penta went through for that like super Canadian destroyer off of the ladder through the tables on the outside, and Dante broke his leg. And when that yeah. happened, I'm like, especially now. I am sick of this. Let it just be more of a spectacle and not something we just see all the time anymore. It's time! Are you ready? Let's go! Guess who's back? It's Johnny Cadillac! Let's start the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and I've been really excited for this week's episode for a number of reasons. I had to wait. We had to get all in, all in London, out of the way first. But I kind of knew over the last, I'd say, probably about eight months or so, that was only a matter of time before my guest for this week's episode had joined me uh, in a opportunity to talk about wrestling for a while but he is a former member of the kin news team here that houses caddy chat wrestling talk podcast and podcast house i am of course talking about michael wheeler all the way from england michael how are we doing today hey johnny hey man thanks for having me on uh yeah we're good we're good uh it's a little bit later over here than it is in nebraska but it's uh, it's uh, the start of a beautiful fall, I think. There you go. You know, this is a kind of history setting for Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast. We've gone out of the United States a couple times, but the guests we've had on that's been outside of the U.S. have always been in Canada. So this uh, is now the furthest we are reaching as far as guests on the podcast going all yeah. the way. Are you now you you're in England, but you're not. Are you in London or are you outside of London? I'm I'm near Cambridge. Technically, I have a Cambridge postcode, but I'm in a small village outside of Cambridge called Waterbeach. Okay. Yeah. So it was uh, listed in the Doomsday Book in like the 12th century, and it was something like the in the like 40th percentile largest population back then, and had like 50 people living here. Wow. <laughs> okay. Now. Yeah. Um, and we'll get more to it here in a moment, but you, uh, you did attend all in London last week. Uh, so how, how long of a drive? I'm assuming, did you drive there? Or did you have to fly or how long was the uh, trip to get there? Yeah. 
getting to Wembley is actually kind of a pain. Um, I mean, because like London has, uh, like it's tough to drive through London because there's a congestion charge you have to pay and there are emission zones and things. Um, so we actually drove to my mother-in-law's house, which is in Croydon, which is south of London. Okay. And then we had to drive kind of around London to get to a hotel we were staying at. And then we had to take the train from the hotel down to London, oh uh, down to Wembley. I mean, yeah. So I guess from, from your house, like total amount of time on the road or the tracks to get from your house to, uh, to Wembley. Yeah. Um, like four hours. Okay. So that was, that's not terrible on driving time, but like to me, I'm thinking it'd be from here in Lincoln, Nebraska, be a little past Kansas city or past Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, where I'd go to, especially I've gone to concerts and stuff in Kansas City, and well, by golly, London, England, or sorry, all in, the highest amount of tickets ever sold for a wrestling event. And Outside can, of North Korea. I was going to say, I thought about that too, like the collision in Korea that WCW did in the 90s. Um, yeah, 102,000 people, because North Korea has, that Pyongyang has that really large Arirang theater. Okay. But I mean, I don't know how many people paid to go. Right. I mean, that if you, uh, I, I don't know a lot about that show outside of watching that episode of Dark Side of the Ring, and uh, and uh, yeah, t the fact that you know the wrestlers are going to that event and they're driving by all these people who are walking over there with essentially with guns to their heads, like they had to go. Like it just still sounds so bizarre to me. But you know, yeah. there's countries yeah. that this don't was the largest. Uh, freely attended show yeah, ever where people wanted to spend the money to go see some yeah. wrestling. And now <laughs> hopefully there were minimal number of people there under duress. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> and you, you mentioned North Korea already um, for those people who aren't familiar with you. I think people who have a KIN background, they, I don't know. You were on Doug Fitzgerald filled in for drive time Lincoln on your last day here and you were a guest on there. So you, you got to actually talk on KLIN programming, like, from your mind instead of just reading the news. Uh, otherwise, you know, the KLIN listeners have been able to hear your voice for months that you worked here. But we, we talked about it a little bit then, but just with uh, your background, <laughs> because you are well-versed in so many ways, and it amazes me where all you've been. You can just kind of take us through, like, where you were born to where you are now and just, like, the different... Big moves in between? Uh, yeah, so I was born in North Carolina, uh, and then before my earliest memory, lived in uh, Tunisia and Saudi Arabia, but I don't actually know which order that was in, and then went to South Dakota. <laughs> no, 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 went to Egypt first, oh, and then geez. South Dakota, and then uh, went to the UAE. So from 97 to 08, I was there. Uh, and then I went to New York for college, which is why I say I'm from New York. And then from there, I went to South Korea and then to Lincoln briefly. And then uh, now I'm here. Yeah, you're there in England. That's my goodness. <laughs> so, so well versed to say the least. And <laughs> I mean, it just baffles me because, you know, I I only knew you for a short amount of time here in Lincoln. And it just so happened that your parents lived here. So you had connections when you did move over here. 
if I had it my way, you would have been here longer, but you were needed where you are now, and I'm yeah, happy for yeah, you, and I'm just right. happy that we're still able to keep in touch, and now here you are on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast making all sorts of history. So There you go, man. Every decision I've ever made has led me right here. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Now, okay. this was this was a big pay-per-view for you for a couple of reasons on a personal standpoint. I know for your wife's sake... And for your sake, do you want to share with the audience what some of those those big reasons for you attending this pay-per-view were, what, uh, what it meant to you, just the idea of it? Yeah, so I got my, huh, I had been, you know, I'd been a wrestling fan on and off for many years, uh, but I got my wife into it through Billy Corgan's version of the NWA a few years ago. Okay. She's, she's a casual fan, um, like she likes it now and then. Uh but it was her first wrestling show ever, and that's a hell of a first show to go to. Yeah, no kidding. No. <laughs> uh, and it was just big for me because now I've gone to three different major wrestling promotions. Like I've seen the WWE, the NJPW, and uh, AEW in person, and in three different countries on three different continents. And those are like big major shows I'm talking about. So I mean, like that was just that was just cool, and that's just a fun thing to do, no matter where you are. Yeah, you know. Well, because yeah. you, you've been to Wrestle Kingdom, correct? That's where you went yeah, to Japan. Yeah, I went, I went in 2020, right before COVID. And did you say, was it major WWE events, or was it just like a Raw or SmackDown that you've been to? It was a, it was a I mean, when I say major, I mean, it wasn't a house show. Like, I okay. went to a taping of SmackDown and a live ECW. They did this, the thing in the same night. Okay, and where was that? Back in two, that was in Minneapolis. Oh, Okay. Oh, yep, 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 because I was in the U.S., you're right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, the one country we're missing in these three countries is the one I'm standing in, the United States. Yeah. No, it was the United States. That was my first one I ever went to. Uh, and then all the way uh, later in 2020, that was uh, New Japan. Um, and then now 2023 in London. That's, man, that's incredible. And for to give a plug to a lot of the followers as well, you've been to MWA Pro Wrestling here in Lincoln, yes. Nebraska, as well. You've been to a couple of shows, times. yeah, multiple times. I did some uh, referee training there too. Yeah, back <laughs> back before you realized your time here in Nebraska was going to be cut short. Yeah, yeah. But um, so uh, I know we're, we're here to talk about all in, but you know, you want to get some more background information. Uh, you were doing some referee training here. Excited about the the opportunity. I know you helped with the ring set up and tear down and that too. Um, and then you, your time here got short. You were needed in England. You're there now and, uh, where you need to be, whether I like it or not. Um, but you, uh, you're not done with wrestling. I'm hearing. If you ever, if you've ever seen the movie fighting with my family, yep. where uh, Florence Pugh plays Soraya, Soraya, excuse me, and, um, or Paige as she was known at one point, uh, there, that's a real place. That's a real school and wrestling promotion that's over in in norwich which is about an hour train ride from where i am so uh so a few weeks ago i went and i shadowed the commentary team because commentary is what i really want to do right and just um got to learn a little bit about what goes into that and uh, unlike like learning to be a wrestler i mean the training for the commentary team over there is free so the only thing i'm paying for is the train fare just to just to get there. So there you go. Um, even if that's a monthly thing, that would be that would be great to go to and to, to keep doing. So I met Soraya's brother and her mom there. Um, so you know that's a 
that's a big place. Like Nick Aldis was there at one point. I think, um, oh man, I, I just had the guy's name in it and it just escaped my, um, my mind. But, um, you know, a lot of names that you know today. Oh, so didn't you say Mick Foley? Did I hear you say Mick Foley at one point? Well, no, no, but Mick Foley, Mick Foley was there, as, I think, in like a mentor capacity. I mean, gotcha. like Nick Aldis was there as a as talent. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, you, know, you know, he's he's European yeah, himself. He's, he's from Kings Lynn. He's from Kings Lynn, which is really close okay. to where I am. Yeah. And I'm so, yeah, of course, Soraya was there as well as talent. Yeah, and then I, I'm standing yeah. here, and I'm like, all right, my European geography and England geography, yeah, I don't know it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm taking your word for it, and uh, and happy to see see the strides you're taking. I know when you were here in Lincoln, you kind of mentioned the idea of, you know, well, like for MWA, for example, we don't have a commentary team, but we have a ring announcer. That's why, that's, all, that's why I did the refereeing yeah. thing, because I, like, I wanted to get involved somehow. I really wanted to do the commentary. Actually, the, the sort of dream I had was to bring it to radio. Okay. Like, when was the last time they would have had wrestling on the radio in Lincoln? Right. <laughs> I just appreciate that you uh, weren't trying to step on my toes as a ring announcer, and just no, you're no, like, no. "Hey, where's the need for me?" And you were you were plugged in, you were ready to go. And uh, the only reason you're not refing for us in MWA right now is because you moved across the world. So. Yeah, that's right. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll do the refing over there as well. Over here, I mean. Yeah. There you go. Well, with we'll that see. said, you know, your parents still live here in Lincoln, so if you ever come back for a visit, you're more than welcome to come back to MWA shows if you're oh, in town sure. at those times. So For sure. That's when I'll do a random run-in and attack the ring announcer. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, our locker rooms, it's not changed a whole lot significantly since you were there. I think the last event you did for MWA, you were there for the MWA Rumble in January, correct? Yep, that's right. That's right. All right, so you got to see... The, I got to see Van Johnson win. Yeah, and he just lost the title. Uh, Brian oh. Blade is now the champion again. He just, last week, hit, won it back in an I Quit match against Van Johnson. Okay. All right. Um, But it was, it's, uh, there's some miscommunication within the group of Doomsday, which was kind of... Forming the night you were there, that's when Dave Sullivan turned on Brian Blade. The big thing for me is you were there to see the return slash debut at that time of the Thieve, and now he is a vital member of the MWA roster, one half of the MWA Tag Team Champions, along with the heavy metal messiah Xander McIntosh, and they're part of Doomsday. And so uh, he is uh, just seeing the Thieve's progression since then and knowing that was your last show where you just... Kind of got the taste, and Christian Temple is still a jerk. Him and I are still not getting along, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever be able to resolve the beef between us. And even before you started going to MWA shows, you were seeing, uh, I was showing you footages of some of the segments that happened between him and I that got you invested just from knowing me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The only trouble was, other than me having to root for the Dallas Cowboys in a playoffs game last year, you tended to... Want to support Christian Temple, if I remember right? Oh yeah, that's right. But then I decided to side with you if you side if you uh, if you supported the Dallas Cowboys publicly. And I did for that game. Did. I did, and you they did. lost. It was disappointing. So, I, so then I went uh, Team Cadillac. Yeah, and I I appreciate that support too. Man, I'm still I'm still miffed about that Cowboys loss. I'm completely not looking forward to the season this year. I'm so bitter. Are you uh, now? Do you are you still going to be able to keep up with the NFL as much living over there? Then, uh, not for the cost that the NFL demands. 
Right. But, I mean, you still... Uh, I'll watch highlights, I guess. I was say, you still have social media, too, so you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Given how the Cowboy seasons go anyway, I'd rather just watch wrestling. There you go. I will yeah. I will not argue <laughs> with that at all. I love football. I do. Uh, or foosball or whatever you would call it there, because you, you, football is soccer over there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so I guess... You or soccer is football over there, I should iron. say. Um, but yeah, I, uh, as much as I love American pro football, wrestling is still my one and biggest love in sports. So don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly, because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, Michael. So leading up to the main reason why I wanted you to be on this specific episode where I, you know, I did have a number of friends at All In, believe it or not, even though... and. Uh, a handful of those people live in the United States that they uh, made the travels over there for that huge event. My friend, shout out to past Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast guest, Amy Markeski, who she's from England, and then she moved to the U.S. a while back and was working for Disney World and still lives in the U.S. I met her through the Jericho Cruise, and she every opportunity she has to go home, she takes it, so when, you know, going to Wembley for the biggest AEW pay-per-view in history and one of the biggest pro wrestling pay-per-views in history in general, especially for, again, fans that want to be there. Um, it was a no-brainer for her to go. Uh, past Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast guest Jamal Gary was also there. Nice. I had England friends there, too. Uh, Lise Wright was there. And then, of course, yourself and Amy's brother Rick Houlihan was there. We'll have him on the podcast here soon. But... um. Yeah, it's still the that was the where I was like, okay, I could always talk to Michael about wrestling. I could always talk to you about wrestling on this podcast. But when you told me you were going to All In, you told me you were taking your wife to her first ever wrestling show. I said, boom, here's the opportunity. So that's why we're here. Nice. Um, let's talk about your background just slightly more when it comes to wrestling itself. Um, when did you get involved in just being a fan? And where is your fandom at now? Because I know you do not watch WWE anymore, correct? Yeah, that's right. I was actually a WCW kid. Okay. Uh, started back in 1998, uh, just when we moved to the UAE, uh, to a new place in the UAE. Uh, my neighbors across the hall had a video game for the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, called WWF Warzone. Um, and yep. they also had on VHS a copy of WCW Uncensored 1997. Oh, okay. So for a while, that was all I was doing 
with as far as watching wrestling, it was like I was playing the WWF games, so I knew who guys like Undertaker were and Triple H and Rock and Mankind, and I was watching WCW. But it was because I had that tape, that's why I wanted to watch WCW. So I was watching Monday Nitro every week. Right. And it was at a time when Goldberg was big, so I remember hearing, because I mean, I always had to go to bed before the end of Nitro. So I remember hearing like the next day that Goldberg finally lost. It was just, it was really shocking. It was really surprising. Right. Um, but, you know, that's why I remember guys like Rath and Glacier and Alex Wright. Um, I was watching uh, guys like J- uh, Jushin Thunder Liger in WCW, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, even then, and uh, Chris Benoit when he was part of the Four Horsemen, if I can mention his name. Yep. But because at the time he was, I, I liked him a lot at the time. Right. When I was eight. Um, and NWO, of course. Uh, and then I found out it was, uh, it was all staged and it was all a show. Uh, and like when I was about nine and I thought, man, that's really disappointing. Um, I just kind of felt like I'd been cheated out of something a little bit. Okay. But then it wasn't, again, it was a few years later in 2002. Uh, I believe the pay per view was No Way Out 2002, that the same neighbors got on VHS. It was a bootleg VHS. And I think the first match I watched was Rock versus Undertaker. And I just remember just getting quite a thrill seeing the Rock charge down to the ring just to try and beat the crap out of the <laughs> Undertaker. Um, and then, yeah, for like the next five years, it was just so into it. Well, uh, I yeah. don't mean to interrupt you, but that No Way Out pay-per-view, given your background with wrestling, is a perfect way to get back in because that's when WWF introduced the NWO as part of their product. Right, so I already knew who they were. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, and then I just lost interest because it's one of those things where, like, by the year 2007 or whatever it was, things would happen, like Kane would get a beat down, and then some idiot... Uh, commentating would be like, oh, I've never seen that before. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've seen this four times in the last year. What those <laughs> have you been watching? So it just kind of felt like I had just been on the ride for too long. Uh, and I just kind of was just ready to get off. I was just kind of bored of the whole thing. Um, and then like 12 years later, so let's say 2018, 2019 or so, uh, I discover there's wrestling in Japan. And it's just much more, it's much different. It's much more exciting in my mind. And that leads us into like discovering Ring of Honor and things and mm-hmm. leading up to AEW. So my fandom still kind of fluctuates. Like I can watch like like six months pretty intently, and then I'll just kind of taper off a little bit because maybe sometimes I'm just not interested in what's going on right now. But that's a nice thing. There's no off season. Yeah. And I can always just jump in again and just get into it again. Well, and that's the beauty of social media, too, is even if you're not watching, you're still aware of what's going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. But like WWE, I don't think I've watched, really watched since that one backlash pay-per-view where Samoa Joe was just cranking Roman Ro- uh, Roman Reigns' neck for like 10 minutes and then Roman Reigns won. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really bad. Fair enough. I want to say that was like 2018, 2019 or so. Well, and then I remember it was my mission when you were working here in KLIN that I was saying, all right, Michael, I'm going to get you back into WWE. It never worked. It didn't because, you know, Triple H was taking over everything. You know, McMahon was forced into retirement. And you said, well, I'm waiting a year. And during that year, McMahon kind of resumed responsibilities anyway. (laughs) So then I'm like, well, I'm doomed. I can't get Michael back into this now. And it doesn't help (laughs) that you live in England. (laughs) Yeah. There's also just too much out there. Like, I mean, there is. 
I, I wouldn't. I mean, I I wouldn't want to watch. I don't. I don't want to keep up with literally all of it. Um, I won't say too this, much out there, but I'll say there is a lot out there. It's hard for me yeah. to keep up with too. So yeah, there's a lot, and I've I've only got so much so much uh, so much time to devote right. to it every week, and I just I'm just going to stick to the stuff I like. Well, and then it's different because you're in a completely different time zone out there too. So like. A lot of you know the mainstream WWE AEW that's coming on like you're you're dealing with like three in the morning your time so yeah I mean, and then they air different days so <clears throat> Wednesday Dynamite here airs Friday night oh okay Saturday Collision airs on Wednesday <laughs> okay uh, uh, I, I don't I know when know that. I don't I don't know when, when Rampage airs actually I don't really watch that show much right but, that's uh, fair yeah but uh, I don't like, so but uh, that's what I mean they all air some days later. And then, so just briefly on how I met you, of course, we worked together. I was, you know, the producer of the, our Drive Time Lincoln show at the time, and here in KLIN, and you were taking over Carla James' spot on our news team. So I just wanted to simply introduce myself to you, and Corey Emerson from Froggy98 was starting the same day. So I just made a point of talking to the two of you, and somehow there was a wrestling connection through both, especially you. I think I was wearing one of my Jericho Cruise shirts, so that helped. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. you, uh, you had told me specifically, I remember you said, oh, hey, just so you know, yesterday I was just wearing a Dark Order t-shirt, and I'm like, all right, Michael <laughs> likes wrestling, oh, we're gonna get along, I wasn't worried about it anyway, but you mentioned a Dark Order, I said, okay, uh, say no more, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wore that Dark Order shirt to the, the London show. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, do you, uh, do you keep up, now that, you know, Tony Khan owns Ring of Honor... It's a lot different. Do you? I personally, I don't watch any of the Ring of Honor shows, uh, but I know that's where kind of Dark Order is featured now. Do you? Uh, do you keep up with any Ring of Honor? No, no, I don't. I wouldn't know the first thing about where to find it here either. Um, I was watching, I was briefly watching Ring of Honor at a friend's house. Uh, he's the same guy who got me into New Japan as well. But uh, you know, like it's like I think War Machine was on, and uh, there was some Bullet Club stuff going on too, like Kenny Omega tagging with Adam Cole and things. So for a while, right? Right. So I, was, I was watching a bit of Ring of Honor before AEW. Okay, fair enough. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, well, so we had a bit of uh, technical difficulties there, but that's okay. We are, we're back yet again. And uh, let's, let's dive right into it. Let's talk about your experience, the reason why you're here. All in London. Um, I'm assuming you got there early enough so you got to see like everything of the pre-show and then of course the whole big event. Would I yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We got there. Uh, we got there in time, well in time for the pre-show. 
Um, my wife being English absolutely loved, uh, powerhouse Hobbs and Jeff Jarrett just rolling off a list of English slang insults, uh, to the crowd. I mean, they just powerhouse Hobbs, uh, called everyone chavs and Jeff Jarrett called everyone else, all the other words. So I mean, she got a real kick out of that. So (laughs) I want to talk to you about that. So my, my thing here in, here in Nebraska was I, I, uh, overslept a little bit that morning and I started getting up and it was about 11:15 that morning and uh I went ahead and put on found on YouTube the all in zero hour right as MJF and Adam Cole are making their entrances actually Aussie Aussie Open made their entrances first like I can't remember which team came out uh um, I think Aussie Open came out first I think you okay, typically yep. maybe want to save the big pop for the second second guys well and i know because like when we do with mwa but i know all wrestling organizations are different with mwa it doesn't matter um who it is but in our championship matches the champions always come out last unless there's extremeing circumstances or there's an open challenge or whatever mm-hmm. else but you have the the main event of all in in that very first match the competitors so it makes sense that they came out last um but that's aussie open was just coming out when i turned it on and so was was it part of Zero Hour when Jeff Jarrett and Powerhouse Hobbs were in there? Or was that yeah, something that, that was, went on? Yeah, that was before. That was before. Okay, so that was probably within that first 15 minutes then. Yeah. And yeah. so for me, who missed that spot and never went back and watched it, because then I just saw like a couple days ago something where Paul White got involved when Jeff Jarrett was in the ring, and I didn't even know that Powerhouse Hobbs was involved until you said it just now. What happened? Uh, go ahead and take us through what <laughs> happened for my sake. It was just a, it was just a contract signing uh, with Miro, and I think Miro just kind of refused to sign it because words are cheap and just trashed the ring, and that was about it. That was the very, very first thing that happened. Okay, so Miro was there. Why? Why? How was Jeff Jarrett a part of this then? Uh, he just came out and talked about how um, British wrestling is terrible. American promoters, American wrestlers are much better. Uh, he called everyone slags and a bunch of other British bad words. And then, I think, yeah, Paul White came out and smashed him over the head with a guitar. Okay. Was that still part of the contract signing segment, or was it like the very no, next no, that segment? No, diff- that was okay. a different segment. Man, so I missed a lot, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and then, because when I saw Paul White, he was over on the table, you know, in the crowd, doing like the zero-hour commentary with, you know, Renee Paquette and others. And mm-hmm. so it was all yeah. different for me. But, yeah. Uh, and then, but no, no, yeah, it was just uh, he was there. Uh, it was weird to see him because I saw him live in Minneapolis. Okay. So I was like, well, I've actually seen him at two different shows now as well for two different companies, even. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, and that's the thing though too is because uh, Paul White's we don't see him every week on TV, and no. uh, I mean it was all in and they're they're pulling out all the stops with how big of a pay per view this really was and. Uh, so I guess yeah, I mean Paul White is he still brings so much credibility to whatever he's a part of. So it makes sense bring him on and then he he got to have a last laugh and break a guitar over Jeff Jarrett's head. So here we yeah, go. Why not? <laughs> so uh I mean what first of all your seats at all in uh did you have a bad view or was, was there like despite the uh, fact that it was such a huge arena was there not a bad seat in the house or were there were you able to look around saying I'm glad I'm not there? Tell me about this. So the uh, the term on uh, when you go to a Broadway show, the term is partial view. <laughs> okay. Um, I, this happened with me as well at 
Wrestle Kingdom, but not not quite to this extent. If you kind of have if you have a corner seat at these big shows, the the ring is under this sort of um, scaffolding or kind right. of uh, fixture, and there are long poles that go on either on on all four corners of the ring. So like. I could see what was happening on the left side of the ring, like, but kind of like where I, I was on like one of the corners, right? Okay. I could see what happened on the right side, but there was a big portion of the middle that was blocked by this corner bit. Gotcha. So that was a little annoying, but overall, I mean, yeah, you could still, uh, you could still see what was going on. And, uh, it was really great because, you know, they don't really have many people sitting on the side of the, the, like where the wrestlers enter enter from. Yeah. So, you know, we had the whole view of, you know, all the entrances and things. So it was still a lot of fun. Good, good. good. I generally think good seats at, at stadiums and arenas are a bit overrated. Sure. Because, you know, it's a, you go to a football game or, or something like that. I mean, it's a big field. So you're still seeing quite a lot of the action. And yeah, wrestling's the same way. I mean, they're really little, but uh, it was... There are worse seats in the house, I think. Okay, fair enough. And you still were able to feel like part of that crowd, which I feel like for an event like this was, regardless of where your seats were, was the most important factor. Oh yeah, yeah. No, honestly, the biggest one of the biggest pops of the night was when um, was when Better Than You Bay Bay won the the opening match. Okay. I mean, it was huge, a massive, massive pop, and to be a part of that was great. I bet. Now, I mean, so did you have? I hear, were there screens everywhere at least? So even if you couldn't see what was in yeah, the ring yeah, very well from your view? definitely screens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely screens. So you, you still would find yourself watching the big screen quite a bit as well? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Sometimes more than I would like, but right. still, it doesn't really matter. I have nothing but positive positive, uh, positive memories and thoughts of this event. Yep. I mean, guilty as charged. I, I find myself, at just about any event, I find myself looking at the screen more than depending on where my seat is, but you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I went and saw a Motley crew in concert at a baseball stadium and right, they right. were like on the other end of the outfield. And we're in the, you know, stands over around, uh, the baseball diamond itself. Um, and so them being on the other end of the outfield, but a huge big screen behind them is so much easier. To watch that concert just from that screen and s- truly see everything going on. So where you can still yeah. see them on stage, of course you, it's easier to see on the screen, so why not? <laughs> yeah, well, this was our second time at Wembley this year. Actually, the second okay. time at Wembley in three months, because we went to see um, Harry Styles in June. Okay. And uh, the wet leg opened for him. So, yeah, it was the same thing. We had rafter seats as well, so we were watching the screens. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, it was me. It was uh, Alice Cooper opened up, and then Death Leopard, and then Motley Crue. It was a insane concert. It was a triple bill. Yeah. A lot of fun. I was like, when I found out it was those three acts together, I said, I had never seen any of those three bands before. I said, I have to see that. Nice. <laughs> so that's good. That's a good bill. Anyway, so um, I mean, did, I guess were you completely up to snuff, up to date on everything going on in AEW leading into All In? So you were ready and knew kind of what to expect for that pay per view as far as the match card and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was following it pretty closely. I was watching all the the collisions and the dynamites. Uh, I was also just keeping my wife in in touch with it. Sure. And it wasn't like she wasn't watching every dynamite, but it was things like, oh hey, there's this segment. Let's let's watch this. Let's yeah. watch this bit. 
And when they were doing things with Ricky Starks and CM Punk before the final card was announced, I thought, oh, maybe they'll do a CM Punk Ricky Starks thing, so you should watch this. And some of those things didn't pan out, uh, or they kind of went in different directions. But yeah, yeah, I was keeping her, I was keeping her informed as well. Um, that's you know, that's the fun thing. It's like it's just like uh, your your it's like the sports team that you watch is more fun when you know all the players. Of course, yeah. the wrestling show is more fun when you know all the wrestlers and you know the stories and things and yeah. Well, so the reason I asked is because I was ready for each and every match on that entire night that took place other than Jack Perry and Hook for the FTW Championship. Obviously, I knew they'd been in a big rivalry for the FTW title for a long time. Jack Perry was a disrespectful champion. And I was wondering, because I was hearing reports that he was going to be retiring the championship uh, but then I missed some shows here and there, and all of a sudden they're they're wrestling as match two of zero hour, and I said, "Oh, all right, um, cool." Oh, I just actually, didn't know about I, it. I, I do have a confession. I did actually miss the final Dynamite just because of when it aired and when we okay. were heading to London. It's like it airs Friday night, right? But then Saturday morning we headed down to London. Okay, so I did actually I did actually miss the final Dynamite. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, did you know that Jack Perry and Hook was taking place? Were you at least? Less oblivious to that than I was. Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew that was happening. Okay, well, shame on me then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I didn't know that. No, I was following the card. I was actually in the camp of people who thought that the card was kind of weak. See, okay, my whole... I'm glad you said that, because I, I felt like they had all their heavy hitters there. But they only had what... Other than that pre-show where it was just one match... They only had what a handful, if even, of one-on-one singles matches. You know, you, of course, you had Adam Cole and MJF in the main event. You had Jericho and Will Ospreay. Then they they last minute added CM Punk and Samoa Joe. Um, and then, yeah, and then I guess you know Hook and Jack Perry. And I, I off the top of my head, I can't remember any other singles matches that happened that night. But there's a lot of multi-man matches. Um, yeah, which aren't yeah. always bad, but a lot of times you want to see more singles matches too. So well, I, my ma- I think my match of the night, honestly, was Punk and Joe, and that was the okay. opening match of the show. Right. Uh, and I think, I think overall, leading up to it, I thought, you know, for being billed as the biggest wrestling show in history, it's missing a big marquee match. Like it's missing. It should there should have been something like Kenny Punk on there. Yeah. You know, like. If you're going to bill it that way, sell it that way, too. But so then, I was just thinking, like, it kind of was missing that one marquee match. But then, I don't know, they added some things at, at the end that made me happy. Like, I was glad that they put the trio's title on the line. Um, right. You know, I was glad to have Hook and and Jack Perry on there, too, just just to give, you know, just a little bit more uh, in that way. So I was eventually happy with it, but I still kind of think... Uh, as well, what I think was that um, AEW kind of pulled the trigger on a lot of good things a little bit too early, like this because that was Punk Joe four, right? Something like but that. But there wasn't really much of a story there. But Punk Joe three, where Punk had never beaten Joe before, that was a great story. Like, yeah, they should have waited to this to do that instead of just being a first round match of the first or second round match. It was second round match of the Owen Hart tournament. Like yeah, right. <laughs> but like I don't know, or then like. They could have had the finale of the Owen Hart tournament here as well, but I guess they maybe really wanted to do that in Canada with fair right. enough. But you know, there were just there were some things where you thought where I thought like, oh man, they could have done that that great match a few weeks ago here. That would have been really good. Let's uh let's talk about that. I was wanting to wait till the end of the podcast, but let's talk about that elephant in the room right now. Uh and I'm not talking about CM Punk. 
But I am, oh, that's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, as soon as I said the elephant in the room, I'm like, oh, he's probably thinking I'm talking about CM Punk. We'll, we can talk about that, too. But um, the fact is, they're building for the largest attending wrestling event in history, or at least the people wanting to be there. Yeah. And so they have to pull out all stops. And, you know, all in five years ago was something special, and they have to top that. And they have so much going into it. But at the end of the day, you have another pay-per-view going on for the same company seven days later. By the time this episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk airs, All Out would have already happened. And that was, to me, the most awkward thing in all of this. And, you know, it's, I, for me, I, I guess I was kind of glad. I wasn't expecting it. But I was glad that they added Christian Cage to the coffin match. Because Darby Allen was literally in two completely different storylines. Going- yeah, me too. And I kind of just thinking as well with all the talent on there, like Chris Statlander and uh, Ricky Starks, who weren't being featured in Dark Order. Right. I mean, no disrespect, but I don't know what era Fox was doing on that show anyway. Because I don't. I mean, as much as I watch Dynamite, I don't really know who he is. Right. Fun fact. <laughs> like, I don't know. He didn't really seem like a name to be featured, honestly, as a fan. A.R. Fox holds a soft spot in my heart for only one reason. And for those people who are avid listeners of Talk is Jericho, they might know. But A.R. Fox was on Talk is Jericho a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago. And Jericho was talking to A.R. Fox about his start. And says, so who was your first match? Who was your first match against? And A.R. Fox says, my first match was against a guy named Johnny Cadillac. What? So then I had people reaching out to me, and now I'm just playing with it. I'm like, so the year I graduated from high school in 2007, apparently Johnny Cadillac was a 15-year veteran at this point who faced A.R. Fox under a different name and one other guy in a two-on-one handicap squash match. So not only was Johnny Cadillac A.R. Fox's first ever match, but I guess I beat A.R. Fox and a partner of his in a squash. (laughs) (laughs) So for that reason alone, A.R. Fox has a little bit of a soft spot for me. Okay, nice. That's a a nice degree of separation right there. It's weird to think think that I've been wrestling since I was like two or three years old. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) nevertheless. Um, But yeah, no, you're right. And... Because I was watching with uh, some of my Jericho Cruise family via Zoom. We we had Dynamite on on our respective TVs, and then we were in a Zoom call just talking about what we were witnessing. And they had that tag team match that I was like, okay, there's no way Darby Allen and uh, what was his name? Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne, that's it. I, I, his name was escaping me at that very moment. I said, there's no way they're beating A.R. Fox and, and Swerve Strickland because... A.R. Fox and Swerve Strickland are facing Darby Allen and Sting this weekend, like, which is a much bigger match. So there's no way that Nick Wayne and Darby Allen are going over. And then they went over, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was because... Yeah, yeah it's funny. I thought, I thought Swerve Strickland was going to win the Coffin match because I feel like Swerve has lost every encounter. Oh, that's <laughs> true, too. So like, he's lost everything. Every time they face each other, I think. Uh, Darby comes out on top. Well, and I, I thought Darby and Sting would win this. I, I think Sting's actually been undefeated since he's been in yeah, AEW, right. even though he I don't think he's ever had a singles match in AEW. But the, him and Darby Allen in any of those matches, they've, they've remained undefeated. Um, 
And so, and being a big match, and Darby Allen's undefeated in coffin matches, apparently, too. So I, I kind of felt the momentum was with them, especially because I thought, and especially because Darby Allen was going to be turning around and getting a, a TNT title shot the very next week. And so, like, there's all these different variables. And then they put a curveball in, and Brian Cage destroys AR Fox. And I'm like, okay, are they setting up for some sort of eight-man tag? No, Brian Cage has nothing to do with the the coffin match. AR Fox also completely dropped from it. I was happy that they replaced him with Christian Cage because I'm like, all right, this is leading more into now we're bringing Darby's rivalries together, so I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. Now, you already said you talked about the biggest pop of the night being Adam Cole and MJF, better than you, Bebe, winning the tag team championship. Talked about your favorite match of the night being Samoa Joe and CM Punk. I will say this. The biggest pop for me, though, was seeing Sting coming out to Seek and Destroy by Metallica, just like he did in WCW for a while. Man, and- that was uh, that was quite a moment for me. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just had this moment of, like, I can't believe I'm actually seeing Sting in person. That, that, I, had, I had a few of those, and NJPW was Jushin Thunder Liger. I saw him. Okay. I saw him first in 2016. I went to two NJPW shows. The first was 2016, and Jushin was there. I thought, oh, my God, I remember this guy. Right. And then here at uh, at uh, All In, it was Sting and, and Chris Jericho a bit. Like, just if I was watching them in the late 90s, it was a little bit like, I can't believe I'm seeing these guys in person. So for me, when it comes to Sting... I've been a wrestling fan all 34 years of my life. I grew up just like you. Well, I started and grew up on WCW. I didn't watch WWF until WCW went out of business, and then they did the invasion angle in WWF, and that's what made me start watching WWF. But um, I've seen Sting my whole life. Never have been able to be at a show that Sting was on. And so the only two shows that I've been to to this day – that involved Sting whatsoever was when he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I was there for his induction speech. And the very next night at WrestleMania when they did the that class of the WWE Hall of Fame and he had a special entrance because, he, of course, he was the, the leader of that class. But oh, I, you, went to, you, you went to a WrestleMania? Yeah, I've been to two WrestleManias. Oh, which ones? Uh, 28 with uh, The Rock and John Cena, once in a lifetime that ended up happening a second time. But I was there for the first <laughs> once in a lifetime. And, yeah, my, my buddy, my buddy was that 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 one too. Yep, and then I mean the big moment for me on that one was end of an era between Undertaker and Triple H before they had yet another match later on. But that was a right. hell in a cell with Shawn Michaels as a referee. Um, and then I was at WrestleMania 32, where again where Sting was invo- uh, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, cool. So that's my background. So I was I was at Dallas Dallas Cowboys Stadium just for a wrestling event. Nice at Jerry World. Yep. <laughs> at the event that claimed to have the the record, and I, I think they, I'm not sure because that's that the trouble. He lies about their numbers. That that's the trouble in all this because AEW set the record because it was actual ticket sales, and so I'm not sure because WWE's big thing about WrestleMania 32 is it had to beat out WrestleMania three, but they yeah. lied about the numbers of WrestleMania three as well, saying ninety three thousand <laughs> when there's only like I think seventy six yeah. or seventy eight thousand there, so yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. If WrestleMania 30, I think they did still beat out WrestleMania 3. The trouble with that is now WrestleMania is two night events and they 
add the total of the combined ticket sales from both nights, and they're like, yeah. "We had one hundred sixty-five thousand here." I'm like, "No, you didn't." No, like most of it. those most of those fans are two pe- like one person that you're counting twice. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um. So that that oh man, that's a whole nother can of worms in itself. But let's go back. Let's backtrack a little bit because you thought I was going to bring up CM Punk. Yeah. How does it feel now after recent events and making light of everything that you were there for arguably the final match of CM Punk, not knowing uh, that would be just that? It's pretty wild. Um, actually, at least I didn't buy a shirt, though. Uh, oh, my... were you tempted? <laughs> no, no. A, okay. friend of, a, friend of, a friend we were with, because we were in a group of three, a friend we were with bought a CM Punk shirt. Uh, but I guess now you could say that's a collector's item. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, and like, who would have thought Sting, sixty-four year old year old Sting, would outlast CM Punk at AEW? <laughs> <in> Twenty-three. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, so I don't know. I think Punk is a really fascinating character, but Bill Brooks sounds like a jerk. Honestly, yeah, it's um, that's just kind of it. I just, but like, what makes him a jerk? is probably what makes him so fascinating on TV. Yeah, I would agree because with that. Because you never really know. He's a bit, he and MJF are similar. And like, you don't really know how much is, is kind of being blurred from real events or their real feelings and thoughts or into their character. That's what's so cool about it, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, no, I mean, even I was a little sad to hear he was fired just because I was enjoying having him around. I mean, he is, he is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he is. He's great. Uh, but you know, I don't know if, if you can't behave yourself backstage, you know, your company can only, can only do so much for you. I think. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Um, the big thing, another big thing is, you uh, got to see a Fozzie concert, I guess, that night, too. My, I did, actually. I was song. looking forward to that, too. I was really looking forward to, to singing Jericho's Walkout. Uh, so doing that with 80, 81,000 other people was, was awesome. <laughs> so, and, you know, they did the fireworks in Wembley, too. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that was my whole thing was, you know, I've been on every Jericho cruise. And after every cruise, they give you a questionnaire like of, you know, your thoughts of the cruise, what talent would you want to see on a future cruise? What talent stuck out to you on this cruise? Suggestions for future cruises and all these different areas. And I, I think it was after the first Jericho cruise. Might have been after the second, but I think... It, no, it was definitely after the first one. My suggestion was to have Fozzie sing live for Jericho's one match on the cruise. I mean, they were all there. It was the Jericho cruise. So it was the best of everything Chris Jericho. And I... To be honest, I would have thought, you know, if that that would have Wait, been. Fozzie were there, but they weren't singing. Well, no, they they performed, but they were never they never would perform Jericho to the ring. It was just the oh, playing of Judas, and uh, you know, of course, Fozzie was there, and of course, they do three concerts in every on every Jericho cruise. Um, but I thought, yeah, it just makes sense to have Fozzie perform Jericho to the ring on the Jericho cruise. And then go to the second Jericho cruise where we actually had a live. Well, it was pre-recorded for us, but then they aired Dynamite the next day, and uh, only Dynamite to actually take place on the Jericho cruise. And that was the very first time where it really saw the fans singing along to Judas, to the point where they turned off the music right at a, like a crucial part of the song, and the fans sang the rest of like up to that 
to that chorus or whatever. Yeah, and, now and, this, they still do that. Yeah, and it became a thing ever since that Jericho cruise that still to this day. Um, so that was still a moment. But yeah, I always thought it'd be the Jericho cruise. But you know Chris Jericho, who his rock and roll career is just as important to him as his wrestling career. So when he heard AEW is going to Wembley, I'm sure he was like, all right. It was probably all his idea, and Tony Khan would have been all for it. Let's have Judas... Now Fozzie Fozzie can say they performed at Wembley Stadium, even if it was only for just one song. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you never would have thought Fozzie would have, like, yeah, you're right. Fozzie can now say, yeah, they performed at Wembley. Yep, there you go. I mean, it's still history-making in so many ways. We have Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay that night. What was was your thoughts of that match? Uh, Kind of buried with uh other other things honestly that's not actually one i remember uh as much i mean it was just a week ago like it's not yeah i don't know it was uh it was kind of just sort of uh lost in the shuffle for me it was very good it was very entertaining will osprey is always uh good and i think the concern was that jericho wouldn't be able to keep up with will osprey mm-hmm. but i think he did yeah you know, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised because he's Jericho, but right. that was kind of the concern is would 52-year-old Jericho be able to compete with, what, like 26-year-old Osprey? And <laughs> I think for the most part he did. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. a, good, it was I mean, a good It was a good match. It was really entertaining. And that wasn't, that wasn't quite the big marquee match that the show needed, but it was close. There you go. And don't feel you know? bad for your answer there because I kind of felt the same way. The only difference, was, again, was you were there and I was not. But, yeah, well, that's also the thing is I, I I might have remembered it more if I did watch it on TV. Sure. Because I was there and, you know, everyone was really uh, far away. Right. <laughs> and partially blocked by uh, the ring fixture. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, I <laughs> and mean... And it, it just overshadowed as well by the main event. Yeah, and for me, it's... I've only seen a number of Will Ospreay matches altogether. And the very... The last match of Will Ospreay's I've seen before All In, and I'm sure this this way for a lot of people, honestly, was Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door, which was such a good match, and the storytelling there was second to none. And, I mean, it's still possible to have more than one good match, and ultimately, Ospreay and Jericho very well could have gone down as a very good match in itself. But when you're comparing it to Will Ospreay and a much younger Kenny Omega than Chris Jericho, um, and, you know, just... Omega's a lot more versatile in the ring in a lot of ways. Again, the age helps. Um, so it was uh, going off from one to the other. It, it, the same analogy is, and I've talked about this before, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26. Their match at WrestleMania 25 is my all-time favorite match. And to me, it just their match at 26 took away... Because I felt like, even though it was Shawn Michaels' final match, that their only mission was to be a better match than their match at WrestleMania 25. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they were too focused on that goal that it actually took away from the match. That's how it felt to me. And that was kind of... I mean, I'm not sure... I don't think Jericho and Osprey said, all right, let's go out there and have a better match than what Osprey and Omega was. But still, with no, those no, expectations... I, so I think Jericho just wanted to work with him. Yeah. And I mean, it was still a good match. I will give him that. Now, the match that it seemed like everyone was supposed to be looking forward to the most from a wrestling standpoint, and I enjoyed it, but maybe not as much as some of their other matches again, was uh, FTR and the Young Bucks. Michael, what was your thoughts on that match? 
Um, oh, I mean, it, it seemed like it was uh, FTR wrestling a Young Bucks match rather than FTR wrestling an FTR match. Okay. So I think uh, Cash Wheeler did a 450 splash, but like that's the whole FTR thing is supposed to be fists, no flips, right? Right. So it seemed like they were kind of wrestling more Young Bucks style. Um, I've never been a big Young Bucks fan. Okay, that's fair. They, they've got a lot of, I mean, I think they're great, but I just, they can just be a bit, I don't know, they're kind of like cartoon characters. Right. Especially their style. Like, I don't know. I guess I, if, if Bret Hart or Jim Cornette were to complain about the Young Bucks, I'd kind of be on their side, I think. That's fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sort of agree with some of their criticisms of them. Like, right. I don't know, flipping pile drivers off of the set and things like that. It's just, it's, they're a bit much. They just need to dial it down. That's my, um, that's my big takeaway is the number one thing I think I'm actually sick of in pro wrestling anymore is the Canadian Destroyer. And it was that thing where when P.D. Williams started doing that in AEW and TNA, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And it was just something, you know, you see a sunset flip all the time, but to turn it into a pile driver, I was like, whoa, what is this? And it was like move of the year, and that all made sense to me. But then it just got to be so overdone. I'm okay with seeing like Dustin Rhodes doing it, but it just it it happens. And you know, Adam Cole adds his own twist with the Panama Sunrise, where he at least goes off the second rope, jumps down, then does it. But to me, I think above all else, what really makes me dislike it the most is seeing what happened to Dante Martin at uh at that Ring of Honor event where where Penta went through. For that, like super Canadian destroyer off of the ladder through the tables on the outside, and Dante broke his leg. And when that yeah. happened, I'm like, especially now, I am sick of this. Let it just be more of a spectacle and not something we just see all the time anymore. That's kind of how I feel. Like I feel like every Young Bucks match is kind of the same as well, where they just like do thirty super kicks. <laughs> you know, it's just that's a. Uh... A lot of the reason why I just I like the Young Bucks just because I can tell they're very good, but I don't really like. Well, I don't. I'm not a big Young Bucks guy. That is completely fair. Now I mentioned Penta, and one match I was very curious about because we've seen two other matches of this before, but it was during the pandemic era. One of which was when they were starting to bring more fans back. The other, no fans whatsoever, so it made all the more sense. So I said, how are you doing Stadium Stampede in an arena hmm. filled with 80-plus thousand fans? And, uh, well, they just did it in that arena, except there was fans everywhere. Yeah. And uh, what was, it, what was it, your thoughts it on it? It wasn't great. Okay. It wasn't great. That was, uh, that was the weakest part. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's all spread out everywhere. They kind of, you kind of forget what's happening backstage because every now and then the camera will be like, oh, yeah, look, there's stuff here, too. Yeah. There's stuff here, too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Did, did you find as being a fan there, that was even harder to be a fan in attendance for a stadium stampede? Yeah. Well, that's than watching I mean. on like, TV. It's all, just, it's all like there are people in the ring, there are people outside, there are people backstage. Um, yeah, yeah that was one you just had to really watch on the big screen. Right. Um, uh, I'm assuming they didn't get anywhere near you when they would like fight through the fans. No, that, no, right? no, no. I was wondering, I was wondering if they would try not near me, but like just up in any of the Raptors, but right. I don't think they did. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I, I don't think, I mean, AEW is great, but it's not, it's not perfect. Um, and I think matches like to have like blood and guts and anarchy in the arena 
and Stadium Stampede so close together, it kind of just it takes away from what's supposed to be quite shocking and quite right. brutal when when you just kind of become desensitized to it. Like this, they're going to do this again in like three weeks. Like John Moxley is going to bleed next week. Oh, no, John <laughs> Moxley's going to bleed in every match he has. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's just. I don't think there's anything wrong with bleeding and wrestling, but it should it's it does take away from the sort of sort of um effect if you do it all the time. Right. No, I you agree. Do that all the time. Like, you know, we still remember Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa bleeding and stuff. Yeah. It was really shocking to see women do it especially. Right. right. But that's because it doesn't happen that often. But like someone taking a staple or a staple gun to John Moxley's head, it's like, oh, it's just another day at the office. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Now, like, having all those spears put in his head, that was, and, like, zooming out where you just see them all literally stuck in his head, that was still something, but it wasn't still completely out of the norm. Again, how many times do we see John Moxley bleed anymore? Right, well, he's he's a bit like the Young Bucks in that way to me. Yeah, that's completely He he just sort of, sometimes I like to just see him just have a wrestling match. Yeah, you know. (laughs) yeah. That's that's just it. But I mean, yeah, so I mean, I actually do think that at some point um, the show did kind of hit a bit of a speed bump and it might have been kind of around Stadium Stampede uh, time, maybe even the, the tag team match before it. Um, but yeah, there was yeah, there was a little a, t- a bit of a lull after the, the opening match for me, but then it did get it did get better again. I mean, did you... Was... Not that it was bad, it was just like this was kind of like you've asked me, I, I've not been super positive on the matches the last two. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that in that realm, then let's go to one of the trios matches. It was Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Takeshita against Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi. Um, was that match too much for you? I mean, there wasn't. No, no, that was fun. That was okay. a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But I like everyone in there. Like, I really like Jay White in particular. Right. Uh, and it was uh, cool seeing guys that I saw in Japan, but in London, like I saw, I, I saw, I saw Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. I saw right. Juice Robinson back in 2016, uh, in, a, a Kora hall. So it was just cool seeing them again and, um, seeing them, you know, like years later. Um, and no, that, that one was a lot of fun. I think Takeshi does a really special talent. Um, I, I'm really, I really would like to see his match with Kenny at all out at some point. And see, that was one of those where, because you knew at All In, and we kind of touched on this already, you knew at the end of the day there's going to be a pay-per-view seven days later, so they had to do whatever they could to still build to All Out where they could, too. So as soon as Takeshita got the pin on Kenny Omega via the schoolboy, I said right away, I'm like, oh, they're facing each other at All Out next week, and here we are. (laughs) Well, I mean, I kind of, you know, we've talked a little bit about having the two shows a week separated. I think that's actually kind of hurt both shows. I think it hurt yeah. all in leading up to it because I, I didn't realize until quite late that they were doing all out. I kind of thought this was, this was the show, but then I said, Oh, if they're just doing all out later. I don't know. It kind of felt like it was taking a back seat, but now I'm reading reviews saying that all out is feeling like it's taking the back seat to all in. And in a way, I think both shows have kind of been at least the lead up weekend in, in a way. I would because act- I don't know because yeah if, if you're sort of building up to you're not giving either show proper build up. I would completely agree with that, and you know at the end of the night at All In they made the announcement that they're coming back next year, and they set the date and everything for All In Two at Wembley Stadium again, 
and I just hope and pray in the back of my mind, all right, that's great. That should be fun. Part of me wants to actually try to make it out to Wembley for it. I'd love to love to be a part of that. That's what I was thinking about, with, especially with having so many friends that this all in. But that was what I was thinking all, as well, though, is please just don't have all out the very following week. I get it because it's I, Labor I Day weekend. Article, I, I read a good article about how all in should have been a free show, not a pay-per-view. Oh, because because it's a it's like if you like have all out be your money maker for pay per view, but okay. have all in be the thing that wins you fans. Yeah, because if you're a if you're you know if you're a casual fan or you're not a wrestling fan at all, you just sort of flipping channels or something, and then you see eighty thousand people at Wembley, um, and you know singing Chris Jericho's Walkout or something like it's just that kind of spectacle would be a great way to sort of build your fan base. So I mean, that was just kind of like that's that was that was an interesting kind of idea, you yeah. know. Like yeah. you could treat it like a pay per view, but just have it be free to make it more, um, uh, kind of more about fans and getting new fans over to your product, right? Yeah. I mean, they'd never do it, but it was it was I, it was an idea I thought was good, especially because the pay per view, another pay per view was coming up a week later, right? Yeah. No, that makes total sense to me, and. To me, I think that could even make more sense for future all-ins because this was supposed to be the record-setting night. This hadn't been done before, but next year it's not as new of an idea as it was this year. So mm -hmm. it could happen. Like It could more so. I also agree with you that that probably will not be the case, but it yeah. would make sense that it would happen something like next year or maybe the year after that. So yeah, well, I mean, I guess they want they want all in to be uh, an August bank holiday thing. So it's always going to be on um, the the you know you know you know what a bank holiday is. It's just like it's a yeah, it's like a long weekend, right? Right. But there's one there's one in August every year. So I guess that's what they're going for. That's how they know the date already. Well, and it's going to be August bank holiday weekend. Right? Yeah, and that's how it is here in the U.S. with all out because it's Labor Day weekend, like. Right. Me right. today, the day that this podcast episode airs, not while we're recording this, I'm I'm sleeping in. I probably won't be awake when this episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast actually airs because I'm enjoying my holiday off. And yeah. uh and but that's where this it's different now too because uh AEW used to always be on Saturdays. Uh, the pay-per-views used to always be on Saturdays. WWE would do theirs on Sundays. But then it was those holiday weekends where Tony Khan would go ahead and move the pay-per-view to Sundays. But now we see WWE always on Saturdays for their pay-per-views or premium live events. And wow. AEW is always on Sundays. So it's, of course, you know, you now have Collision, which I'm, I am curious on Collision's uh, future now that CM Punk is no longer with the company. Since in a lot of ways it kind of did that show just for CM Punk. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there are a lot of other people tired of the elite, so they're sticking around. That, that's fair enough, too. Now, <laughs> we uh, you mentioned a trios, the other trios match already a little bit, but I want to kind of focus on one other part. And to me, or anyone else, you have a long pay-per-view. Your bladder only lasts so long. You need to figure out when you're going to take those bathroom breaks or whatever else. And so I was like, all right, this is a story package. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I come back, and I missed House of Black's entrance. But, of course, 
just slightly before All In, we lost Linda Mertenda, Bray Wyatt, known for his entrances with the Fireflies and the cell phones. Please tell me you didn't have a similar story to me when that moment happened in Wembley. No, no, I, I saw both their entrances. Uh, I was also there for the massive pop that uh, Acclaim, the Acclaim got with their line about Prince Andrew, which my wife missed because yeah, she's English and she would have loved it. Uh, she, was out getting, she was out getting drinks. <laughs> um, but the, no, 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 I, I, I saw it. I, I, I didn't want to miss the entrances for... Uh, for uh, for many, like I don't want to, I, I didn't want to miss many of the entrances for the show because that was the like part of the stage I could see the best, right? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's true. That's so much of the spectacle, right? Um, no, I, I was there, and it was really cool that they did uh, the lanterns for him. Did you did you have your cell phone flashlight shining? I didn't actually. Oh. No, I didn't. Uh, I just I kind of wanted to just sort of just just bask it just in. Be, yeah, just bask it in a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And then- um, yeah, I don't know. I don't always. I, I just didn't feel like taking out myself on. I just kind of wanted to just look at it this time. And that that match was fun in it too. There wasn't a lot that really stuck out to me on it, but the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn are now the champions, and still a cool moment. It was it was a lot of fun TV for me more than anything else. Um, I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, I was glad when they added that match just just to have more star power, just to have another belt on the line. Yep. Yeah, it was fun. And then another, because I think there was a couple title changes, but that was one of them. And another yeah, title. I'm not, I'm not actually sure how I feel about that. Like, I don't know. The House of Black to me feel like the only real trios that should be that, that champ. That's fair. At this point. Yeah. But we talk about title changes, and I'd be amiss if we did not talk about, especially being in England, the women's championship match that night, seeing Soraya in England, a spectacle that. You know, five years ago, we thought we would have never seen winning the AEW Women's World Championship. Her family all ringside. Uh, controversial matters. I'm curious on what the future of the outcasts are really looking like from here because there's definitely tension there. But uh, what was your thoughts on that whole four-way? Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. Um, I don't know how, I mean... The women's division's kind of taken a bit of a backseat lately, but they've given the belt to someone who's not wrestling very much. So yeah. I'm kind of wondering about that. Um, I just don't know where they're going to go with that. But cool moment for her. It was really fun to see her celebrate. I also really like that they gave Sheeta her moment because she was, you know, she was a pandemic champ. Right. And she just never had that moment where she could go out with her fans and stuff. Yeah. So, it was really, it was really cool to see that, you know. Yeah. It was really cool that she could actually have, have that moment where she's out in front of eighty thousand people. So I was very happy for for Sheeta. Leading up to it, for the longest time, I thought it was going to be Jamie Hader coming back. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people, especially in the England area, would have wanted. And you know, oh, I guess who, she's still injured. I'll say, who knows? The severity of her injury must be worse than what people are thinking. But yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I'm very pleased for 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 Soraya, and you know the match itself was fine. Yeah, um, but it was like the shortest match of the night. Yeah, that's and, true too. Like the only women's match of the night. That's and also I, true. I do I do wish that they would kind of put a bit more a bit more emphasis on the women's matches. It's like I don't know, like they have a structure. The women's match on Dynamite, for instance, is always like around the halfway mark. It's always a filler. Like, it would be nice. I don't know. Like, why can't the women the women ever open the show or something? You know, yeah, or just, that's just fair. Do it a little bit different. 
just expose it a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. I was booked the same way here, too. Yeah? Yeah. Um, now, I will say this. I enjoyed All In. Um, I thought overall the matches were fun. Nothing really stuck out to me as over the top, this is awesome, best thing I ever saw, and we were going into the main event. And I think my expectations were immediately set that Adam Cole, MJF, heavyweight championship on the line, was going to steal the show. I thought I did think Roderick Strong was going to get involved. I will be honest, he annoyed me to no end in that match. Um, I thought the storytelling of that main event, the storytelling aspect itself, looking at the history of their rivalry, I thought was incredible. The fact that the double pin happened from a double clothesline. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I enjoyed the match, but still, I felt like it still didn't quite meet my expectations in a lot of ways. And I was watching the pay-per-view on Zoom with my friend Josh Palmer, and he said that was the best storytelling he's seen in wrestling in years and years and years. So to each their own. But Michael, what was, what was your thoughts on that main event? Oh man, I mean that was like I I looked at the the times of the matches recently. That was 29 minutes and it flew by. Okay. I had so much fun, so much fun in that match. Um, that was that might have been one where I mean maybe it was because I was there, but right. it was so much fun. It was great. It, it had such a big fight feel to it, and the storytelling was really strong. Like, it was. We were every everyone in that stadium was fully invested in it. Um. Even yeah, even my wife who had just kind of been following for the last month or so, like she had been, she was, she got fully enraptured in it. Right? And and overall, um, and, I mean, the whole bit with the referee was awesome. I yeah. loved it. <laughs> overall, um, yeah, that was my favorite match of the night. I just, I think I just at that point had a little stronger of expectations, but I still enjoyed it, and I'm glad to see you saying positive things about it. And it it deserved what it got. I didn't... The problem, the only like I still I, I say that as well though that the show was missing that big marquee match because I don't think the winner was ever in question. Oh yeah, that's fair. Um, and yeah. then for me, the only thing that really killed it for me was just how much Roderick Strong kept getting involved. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but no, I mean I, I I mean that was such a great experience to be a part of. I'm sure. Um, yeah. There's just you know there's something so communal about theater. Because I, I was reading one, I was reading someone who's complaining about that match and said, "Are we watching a sports event or are we watching theater?" And I said, "You're watching theater. Wrestling is theater. It's not like a sports sport, right?" So I mean, right. that kind of thing is allowed to happen because it's theater, right? Um, so and I, like when all the audience participates the way they do and you're a part of it, it's it's so great. It's it's great. Absolutely. So all ends in the books. You have been there. Your wife has now attended her first show. Overall thoughts in the end here. Uh, it was, it was, um, I don't know, better than I kind of maybe thought it might have been as a fan. Okay. But in a way, I'm not surprised because, I mean, I, I find AEW pay-per-views generally to be really strong. I would agree on that. the performers are so good. Yep. Um, and, um, yeah, they're just, I, I think they're always kind of given a, a, a challenge to, and they always meet to rise it. Yeah. Uh, rise to meet it. I mean, um, there was a span. I just don't know what it was. Like there was a span in like the mid two thousands in WWE where I feel like pay per views were really bad. Okay, that's uh, fair. Like when they had the brand split and it was like a Raw pay per view and a SmackDown pay per view, and it was just nobody's like 
Heidenreich and Rene Dupree on pay-per-views. Right. And you just kind of got the feeling like, man, these pay-per-views aren't as good as they used to be. But, um, like, you never really have that problem with AEW. Like, yeah. this is what a, these are what pay-per-views should be. And, there you go. Uh, Forbidden Door might be my one of my all-time favorite pay-per-views ever. And um, All In was, was, was fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, and I, you know what? I have, uh, it's, it's not aired yet as far as this recording goes, but even with kind of a, a bit of a nerfed buildup, I feel like All Out's going to deliver as well. I, I hope think so. Power, Powerhouse Hobbs and Miro is going to be fun. Uh, Takeshita and Kenny Omega is going to be a blast. Um, I don't have high expectations for John Moxley or Orange Cassidy, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be a fun show just because everyone is, is really good and the company generally the company actually does kind of know what they're doing as far as the actual performance goes right and um that was how all in was for me it was it was just a lot of fun and just always great like always great to go to a wrestling show it's it's always such a good a good night out all right well michael i'm gonna wrap this up here i know it's getting incredibly late especially for you not only being six hours ahead of us but you have an early rise in the morning where it does, doesn't help you that I was just talking about sleeping in, but uh, I do want <laughs> oh, no, to... I, I don't have the early rice tomorrow. I had it this morning. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Okay, good, good. Yeah. I feel less bad then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun talking to you today. Um, I think this is you know the most we've talked, especially since you've been away from Nebraska. But it was, it was a lot of fun to catch up and hear all about your all-in experience. So thank you for yeah, coming man. on to Caddy Chat. Thanks Russell for having Chat. me. It's kind of like your, uh, your English correspondent. There you go. For our news term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this was another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast with, again, I'll say former KLIN news team reporter, member, Michael Wheeler. So much fun reliving your experience at All In last week. Uh, You're always welcome back on the podcast. And you're setting history for Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk for the the now furthest away guest. So it was a lot of fun today, Michael. Well, maybe I'll go to a Rev Pro show at once at one point, and I'll uh, bring my thoughts with that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for Michael to you for guesting on today for the listeners for listening to this. Um, I appreciate all the support. This is Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host Johnny Cadillac, and until next time, we'll see you then. Have a good day, everyone.